This is Business of Home. I'm Dennis Scully, and welcome to The Thursday Show. Later on, we'll be taking a field trip to the Kipps Bay Designer Show House. But first, we're going to catch up on the news, including a big change for Bunny Williams, the never-ending debate over gray flooring, and a greenwashing lawsuit that's making headlines. To do all that, I'm joined by Business of Home's executive editor, Fred Nicolaus. Hi, Fred. Hi, Dennis. How's it going? Great. How are you? Not going to lie, my voice has been a little bit better. <laughs> with, the, with the coronation, the Kentucky Derby, and Kipps Bay, it's, it's the trifecta. I'm going to try and croak out some, uh, some trenchant observations while, while you carry the ball this week. All your extracurricular activities are finally <laughs> catching up with you, Fred. No comment. Um, (laughs) Before we get to the news, though, let's uh, talk about Sarah Sugarman, uh, Lulu and Georgia CEO and founder who we had on the podcast on Monday. What was your uh, big takeaway from that one? What an impressive story that is. Launch an e-commerce business as a side hustle while you're running your dad's carpet business by day. She is a force, that Sarah Sugarman, and look how far it has taken her. Yeah, no, I was really impressed. It's such an interesting business. It's hard to just pick like one takeaway from that show because she made a lot of great points. For me, the one was just how she's kind of going against these two big pieces of unconventional wisdom. One is like raise as much money as you can from VCs, which she hasn't done. The other is like get offline and open physical stores, which she hasn't done either. And she's very, you know, very consistent, very stubborn, explained very clearly why she's not doing those things. And her business has lasted while several companies that did both of those two things are, have struggled in, in recent months. Being able to avoid investor pressure seems to be working for her. So I, I, hope, it, I hope it can continue. All right, we're going to get to the news in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast was sponsored by Daniel House Club. Over the last year, Daniel House Club has helped interior designers to save over $2.3 million in their furniture procurement. With Daniel House Club, trade professionals no longer need to jump through hoops or remember hundreds of logins to profitably source from the brands they love most. Club members enjoy access to over 150 vendors at the best trade prices in the industry, all in one place. Daniel House Club's mission is to be the quickest place for interior designers to find and buy what they're looking for. So sign up today and see for yourself. Visit danielhouse.club slash BOH for 50% off your membership. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the Editor-in-Chief of Business of Home, and I'm so glad you're here. Our team works tirelessly to bring you the industry news you need to know. We're also talking about what it feels like to run a design firm. And you can find those conversations on my podcast, Trade Tales, which features heart-to-hearts with designers getting real, about the challenges of creative entrepreneurship. The show is proof that there is no one right way to grow your business. Some weeks, the focus is on improving systems and processes. Others, it's about how sometimes getting out of your own way is what it truly takes to spring ahead. No matter the topic, we're taking a close look at how to build a better design business. And I hope you'll join us. Tune into Trade Tales every other Wednesday, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Okay, and we're back. Last week, renowned firm Bunny Williams Interior Design announced that it will change its name to Williams Lawrence 
The change reflects the leadership role of William's partner, Elizabeth Lawrence, who joined the firm in 2006 as an intern and was made partner in 2017. Fred, what are your thoughts? It certainly makes a ton of sense for Bunny Williams. You know, they've been trying to kind of like elevate Elizabeth Lawrence's profile within the business for a long time. You will not meet a nicer, more talented designer. Making this name change official just makes all the sense in the world. And I'd, I'd love to get uh, them actually on the podcast to talk about it. Um, but for me, uh, what this sort of called to mind was, you know, how complicated it can be for interior design firms to do the succession thing. It's it's tough. It's There's no one game plan. Could not agree more, Fred Nikolaus, uh, both about Elizabeth Lawrence, uh, about our desire to have them on the show. And don't worry, they're already booked. So look <laughs> forward to that. But also, it's exciting because Elizabeth Lawrence came out of the New York School of Interior Design, so I have a special fondness for the whole history of how all of that came together. And a reminder to listeners that Elizabeth was an intern and she worked her way up, so it can be done. But as you were just suggesting, sometimes these succession plans can be tricky. I am thrilled to see this name change. And what I am imagining is all that goes along with what that, what that means. And I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be some exciting opportunities for Bunny to do some things that she's wanted to focus on, uh, but also for Elizabeth to step even further into her leadership role. I do think we need an HBO mega series about succession within within a design <laughs> firm starring uh starring Jeremy Strong as the designer would be awesome. Um but I, I also think sort of more broadly like generationally we're in a moment where a lot of baby boomers are retiring. So you're going to see a lot of businesses changing hands and people trying to figure out how it works. There's all these things like ESOPs where you sell the business to uh, employees, this sort of complicated stock agreement. People will just sell. People will call it quits. We're going to see a lot of transitions in the, in the years to come, and we'll be covering them on businessofhome.com. <laughs> I, I agree. It, it is often trickier than one would imagine. It's, uh, it's not always easy to execute. So I'm, I'm thrilled to, to see this one moving along, and I look forward to seeing where it goes next. We're going to move on to talk about the design scene in the Bay Area. Fred, can you take us into this one? Sure. So our editor, Haley Chenard, uh, took a look at how interior designers in San Francisco are being impacted by the somewhat chaotic economic climate in Silicon Valley right now. Um, just to sort of get a sense of what's going on there, about 145,000 jobs have been cut in the area since the start of the year. Most of them are coming from, you know, the big names we all know, like Meta, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. Um, Haley got kind of mixed messages from designers. Some were saying that the tech turbulence doesn't really matter. Some say clients are pulling back on budget, but the mood is definitely, let's batten down the hatches a little bit. Dennis, what's your take? It's a it's a worrisome scene in San Francisco. I honestly, for some time, thought that things were being blown out of proportion, but I have come around on the subject after speaking to several companies who tell me sales are down so dramatically in San Francisco that it's impossible to ignore everything that's going on on the ground there. This announcement from Whole Foods recently that they were closing their location there for employee safety reasons, and numerous companies are pointing to San Francisco and the Bay Area being ground zero for what we're imagining is the coming commercial real estate crisis. So there's there's quite a few factors at work here. And, uh, and, and it sounds like the San Francisco Design Center is being impacted and, 
and, and business in general. Another little wrinkle of it is just that so much of people's wealth in the Bay Area is wrapped up in equity in these tech companies. So it's like you get paid a, a big salary, but you might get paid a huge salary in equity in your company. And as stocks go down, I think tech stocks fell more than 30% in 2022. That lowers your net worth. That makes you a little less likely to you know, spend big on that new kitchen. So it's uh, it's definitely having an effect. No, no question. And and we're, we're seeing signs of softening in the housing market. Uh, we're, we're definitely... All of the all of the things that we're worried about nationally seem to be happening on an even greater scale in the San Francisco area, and, and I think that many people are, are worried that this was some kind of socioeconomic experiment that that seems to have just gone terribly wrong and, and not <laughs> the sure. city of San Francisco is a socioeconomic <laughs> experiment. That well, I mean, or? they, they, they experimented with, uh, with, with some lax policies, uh, perhaps around, uh, shoplifting and, and other oh, things that, yeah. uh, that, that I think haven't quite worked out in the, in the way people had imagined. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate to, uh, to see what's, what's happening as a result. I don't know. I don't know if that kind of like street crime really matters for interior designers. It's also, some of those claims are a little overblown. When you look at the numbers, like if you compare San Francisco to other cities, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hear your point. Um, I'm not sure that kind of thing matters for the design business. But if you're a San Francisco designer and, and you feel differently, write us in. We got an email account, podcast at uh, businessofhome.com. You know, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, I had a conversation with somebody recently who was taken around by a salesperson and the salesperson told them that I don't like to leave my car here on the street because it's been broken into twice uh, just in the past several weeks. So again, anecdotally, the the stories that I that I hear from people are that uh, even around, again, the design center, there, there's just a, a feeling of unease, which I hate to hear because San Francisco uh, is where my wife calls home and is a place near and dear to to my heart as well, and, and yours too. I know, Fred. Yes, yeah, so I'm from the I'm from across the bay, but yeah, we uh, we we hope for the best, but uh, but that one is uh, is troubling at present, to be sure. Now let's talk about a big greenwashing lawsuit that's making headlines. So. D2C mattress brand Avocado is facing a class action lawsuit claiming that the company misled consumers by promoting organic, natural, and non-toxic materials. The complaint accuses the company of fraud and false advertising after a lab test of the Avocado mattress found the presence of chemicals that are linked to birth defects and reproductive harm and skin irritation. Avocado maintains that it did nothing wrong, but I'm wondering, Fred, what do you think? Sure. Well, uh, lacking uh, a, a testing lab here and a, <laughs> a master's in organic chemistry, I can't comment on on the presence of those uh, chemicals. But I wanted to talk about this story just simply because I think we may be entering an era in which claims around sustainability and non-toxicity are called out a little bit more because as the lawsuit makes clear all you have to do is you know get one of these products tested by a lab you know find something bad in it which i don't think is probably too hard and then you, you make a lawsuit now i don't know if avocado is guilty here i don't know if I do know, however, that when you start to really dig in deep on some of these claims, it's really hard to prove what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. It's a lot of trade-offs. So this may be kind of like a, a pivot to a moment of, of more uh, rigor and more uh, oversight around you know the, the claims that companies make about their products. I, I wonder about that as well. And I, and I wonder if this lawsuit and, and more conversations around this subject 
are in fact going to make people care more about this issue and and make this more of a priority. There was the there was the suspicion that as people got more knowledgeable around the subject that they would dive into many of these different companies that are making claims. And I, I hope that they will, if only to establish perhaps more clearly a set of parameters, because I'm sure there are many companies that want to move in the right direction when it comes to all of this, but many things aren't aren't clear. No, completely. It's funny. I was just talking to uh, someone who's who's launching a, a big new consumer retail brand that we're going to be covering next week. And they were talking about how they wish there was some kind of like, you know, certification where you could say, not only are we green, we're really green. We're like dark hunter green, whereas this company is sort of a light pale green. You know, I think there's just, you know, you say your, you say your product is healthy and sustainable and that's you know, I don't know what that really means. Most consumers don't know what it really means. I think we need better labeling. We need more clarity around these issues. And I think I'm hopeful that lawsuits like these, whether it has merit or not, will lead to better labeling, better standards, more clarity so that people who want to care will really know what to do. I agree. And again, people that want to care, I hope will care and in greater numbers. I hope that this will really become more of a priority for the industry. We're always told, oh, the next generation is really going to care about this issue and they're going to force its hand. But I have yet to see that generation step forward. So I hope, is it millennials? Are they supposed to be the ones now that we're getting well, on? <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have to poll our younger colleagues, I think, Dennis, because <laughs> I don't want to come across like the jaded elder millennial that, that I no. may be. Well, I, I just I just feel like we are waiting for, uh, honestly, we're waiting for the United States to care more about sustainability. Our, our European partners, as we've often talked about in the past, are way ahead of us on these issues and uh, our Scandinavian partners as well. So we've got uh, we've got work to do. Let's make it a let's make it a priority. Okay, so we're going to transition into the less newsy, but nonetheless, just as important topic of gray flooring. The polarizing debate was highlighted in a recent New York Times piece, which traces the trend back to the early appearances at design fairs like Salone in 2010 to its current state, which is, well, just about everywhere. Fred, what's up with this? Are you a fan of gray floors or not? <laughs> I'm scared to go on the record on, on this uh, div- divisive topic. We're going to hold um, you to it. <laughs> I am not a fan of gray flooring. I feel like it it definitely reads as developer chic to me. Um, and I think that's what was so interesting to me about this piece is that these kinds of trends become such, uh, you know, the article talks about how it's become like this flashpoint on social media. You know, you can get a million TikTok reactions talking about how much you hate gray floors. And a lot of what they tie to isn't really like aesthetics or culture. They're just the fact that developers can get this material cheaply. It works with a lot of different colors. And then they become cultural things that, you know, turn into uh, social media trends and stuff like that. I don't know. What was your take? I can so understand the utility of it and the incredible functionality of this flooring. I can see it in all of these industrial use spaces and high traffic areas. So I can appreciate it. In in homes, I want good old fashioned wood <laughs> flooring. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're you're a you're a wood flooring kind of guy. <laughs> that that sounds right. One thing that also struck me about this story is how these kinds of trends or topics that become really big on social media really quickly, they point to just how 
quickly these things come and go. You know, I don't know if you pay attention to these things, Dennis. This may be below the Scully pay grade, but there's uh, there's all these things like Barbie core and Coastal Grandma, like these these trends that kind of flash up for 30 seconds. People magazine does a Coastal Grandma issue, and then it just quickly goes away. And it, you know, that maybe doesn't apply quite as much to gray flooring, which is a more kind of the evergreen, ever gray uh, type product. But it just is an interesting example of how social media interacts with the design world in this kind of intriguing, intriguing way. Well, Fred, I, I, I appreciate uh, you suggesting that I try and stay above the fray on so many of these issues. And no. you're, you're absolutely right. I haven't spent a lot of time uh, worrying about this issue, in part because this feels like something tying it back to our whole discussion of AI or talking about algorithms sort of feeding this up. I just feel like there's some dark force that is trying <laughs> to make us talk about gray flooring. And, uh, and I don't want to give into that, frankly. So, no. All right. Well, fair enough. And I think a lot of a lot of designers also have have moved on. You know, the New York Times piece talked to a range of people, but they made the point that it felt like high end taste had moved on beyond gray floors. And it's it's you know it's the life cycle of a trend. It pops up in Salone in 2010, and 13 years later, we're tired of it. I think Boucle is next, or Ivory Boucle is next. <laughs> well, that one seems to be sticking around a lot longer. But I, I think calling back to that conversation we were having with Sophie Donaldson just recently talking about kitchens and this desire for developers to perhaps find a different way to make a, a standard unit that isn't going to have to be ripped out right away the minute someone actually takes possession of that space. And I think gray flooring just seems like one of those placeholders that a, a developer might be tempted to put in. But, yeah. but hopefully it, it would just get ripped out and, and replaced with good old good old real wood, but I want to avoid that step altogether because I don't want to have to rip out that material. So just avoid it, I say. Yeah. Fix the problem from the roots. Exactly. Exactly. All right. That's all the news we have time to discuss today, but there's plenty more to check out on businessofhome.com, including a great recap of all the best product debuts from Milan Design Week. We're going to visit the Kip Space show house and speak with the director of special events, Nazira Handal, in a minute. But first... A word from our sponsor. As Daniel House Club works to empower the trade as a lightning speed resource, they're thrilled by the support they've received from the designer community during their ongoing fundraising campaign. With $267,000 raised to date, DHC is well on its way to reaching its goal of $800,000. Initial funds have already been invested in additional team members to help onboard and manage new vendor catalogs and ensure their concierge service continues to impress. To consider investing in the future of the trade, visit wefunder.com slash Daniel House Club today. Hi, it's Caitlin again. And if you're ready to build a better design business, join hundreds of design professionals who have become BOH insiders to access the exclusive reporting and industry analysis that will keep you competitive and connected as you grow your firm. Business of Homes membership community includes complimentary access to weekly educational workshops with industry experts, a subscription to BOH magazine, and a directory of skilled trades across the country. Insiders also get discounts on BOH's industry-leading job board, which is especially helpful when you're ready to expand your team. 
and later this year, insiders will begin to receive exclusive invitations to private field trips at unique destinations that unlock creativity and community. Learn more and join us today at businessofhome.com slash BOH Insider. So it's like just on the corner there, basically? Okay. I think so. Okay. 337, yes? Okay, turning right. We're almost up, right up to the river here, basically. Almost to the mighty Hudson. Okay, Dennis, set the stage. Uh, what are we doing? So here we are on Monday, the week of the grand opening of the Gibbs Bay Show House. We're up here on 106th and Riverside, outside this historic house that is the site for the 48th annual Kips Bay show house. And the, the excitement can be felt right out here on the street, I feel like. So what are we doing today? So we're hoping to catch a few designers in their room, chat with them a little bit. And we're also going to talk with Nazira Handal, who is the director of special projects for Kips Bay, who is really the mastermind uh, who puts this house together. So what do you think it'll look like in there? Is it going to look completely finished or is it going to be chaos or? It's supposed to have been completely finished days ago. Apparently photography was supposed to have happened late last week. There are always last minute additions, accessories people are adding, flowers, candles being brought in. So I imagine there will still be a buzz of activity in the house. All right, well, let's go find out. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Good. Good to see you too. Guessing this is an episode of, of the podcast. The Thursday yes. Show or the Monday show. Thursday show. All right. See you soon. So, so we're popping in impromptu into Penny Barrett's room. Uh, which one of the things I love is the large stack of Blackbound Architectural Digest. Is that all the many times you were published in Architectural Digest? Not even, but... <laughs> That's just a few of them. But in the days of uh, Paige Rentz's reign, she would always give the homeowner and the designer a leather-bound copy. So during COVID, I took everything out of the closets, as did everyone else, and I have 16 features there. And I actually found 43 ADs that I was in. 43. Do you you think you're the record holder? No. No. Definitely not. But when Paige liked you, she liked you. Now, are you excited to be back in a Kips Bay show house? Well, I've done a couple over the years. And I am finding it refreshing and different because there's a lot of new young talent Mm -hmm. and a lot of different ways of seeing the world. And I think COVID made... um, a big soup out of design and people don't are finding their footing and no one knows where to go. As you will see as you proceed up the stairs. Yes. And are you excited about Wednesday night and everyone pouring into the house for the big party? It sounds a little scary, a little daunting <laughs> with the size of the spaces and so forth, but we've done it before and we'll do it again. Beautiful. The room's amazing, by the way. It's yeah, beautiful. thank you. I'm glad you like it. I love you should the... have seen how horrible it was, but I guess that's standard. Hey, guys. Hi. 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 I love this whole group. Yes. How do you do this? I'm just trying to annoying place for me to be here. Can I get you guys to introduce yourself really quickly? I'll, I'll start with you. Sure. Hi, I'm Liz Guaziolo, principal of Yellow House Architects. I'm Christy Ollendorf, uh, interior design director at Yellow House Architects. I'm Haley Fazio, and my position kind of goes between architecture and interior design. 
you're not involved. Yes, she is. She's her intern. Oh, that's cool. You can do. You can talk. Hi, I'm Katrina Riley, and I'm the interior design um, intern for Yellow House. Cool. Fantastic. So, what, so first of all, what is the space that is identified as the area that you've done as we walk into the house here in the entranceway? Well, we're first assigned with the entry vestibule, and we inherit the powder room. We inherit the elevator vestibule. We inherit that vestibule for two days, and then it was reclaimed. So... <laughs> Well, and, and often, and I'm sure you feel this way, the entranceway is the most ridiculously challenging space to do because, as you see, we are all traipsing through your space um, yes. all day long, <laughs> right? Like yes. right now? Like right now. <laughs> a random person bringing a screen for a photo shoot. Yeah. Yes. So describe this light fixture for listeners so they get a sense of this enormous netting <laughs> chandelier. How are we describing this? It's... It has like some natural element to it. And um, so if you think about like this mansion near the park and then, and it kind of like draws you in. I heard people who are walking here at night, it's beautiful. People stop and it's very engaging. You're like wondering, it's like mysterious. What is going on in here? I want to go and visit. Fantastic, I love that, I love that. So Wednesday night, grand opening party, Everyone is going to traipse through the space. Every single person is going to. Yes. Right? They are going to. Your space is going to be the first thing they see and the last thing they see. So it's going to be etched in their mind. Are you excited? Yes, we're very, very excited. I think overly so. I think I think I might need to take down the excitement a little bit. But yes, very excited. She's been here the whole time the most. She pretty much lived here the past yeah. week. And we're very happy with it. Yeah, super excited. And, and, and with good reason. It looks yeah. fantastic. And again, everyone's going to see it in and out. So congratulations. Thank you so much. So we're in David Scott's room. David? Hi, I'm David Scott. What I love about Kips Bay is helping the kids, yes. you know? Uh, the show house, of course, is an amazing New York, you know, design event, probably the preeminent in the United States. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, we don't like to, yeah. we don't like to boast yeah. here and in New York. it's a great but... house. We are thrilled with how the house turned out. So was this space particularly challenging for well, you? Yes, it was. <laughs> As a matter of so fact. So we have a before photograph really? which illustrates okay. uh, that what it was. Okay. Um, it was filled with cabinetry. The ceiling was all messed up. And so we gutted the room, um, removed the original fireplace, stored it downstairs, and then um, got this beautiful Jean-Marie Fiore piece from uh, 21st Gallery. So, and for people who aren't familiar, so a lot of things are on loan to you here yes. in the room? Yes, yes? everything. Every for the most, except, <laughs> everything. The, except the accessories are generally mine, personally. That you brought from your yes. home. And, yes, yes, yeah. Okay. From the office, from home. Right. No, it's fantastic. It's a it's a beautiful room. The ceiling only took about six weeks to, to, yeah, well, to get it. That's yeah, <laughs> it did. And, and, you know, we had um, a Pietro Viva plaster, a Marmorino plaster from Italy. The artisan came from Italy to do it. So what you see here is an amazing group of loyal vendors. They were really like, oh yeah, we'll do it. Yes, no, we should do this. You know, so you've this. done you've done so much business with this person who came over from Italy. Yes. that when you called to say, hey, 
come on over, hop a flight, come and do my ceiling yes, yes, at the show house. Yes. They say, oh my gosh, of course. Yes. Can't well, wait. They, we'll be there. they combine that with other things mm. that they were doing. Yes. But yes, yeah. Are there, are there things you're going to have to keep? Are you going to have to keep these chairs? Oh, I would chairs? love that. I would love <laughs> I to feel keep like them. These Swedish this, chairs, this they're amazing. Here, right? Yeah, I they're mean, really beautiful. They're covered also in a PRFA fabric. They're from Gallery BAC and just, you know, divine Swedish uh, Baltic birch frames. Br break it to me. How much do you think it would have to be to, for us they're to get them? They're $50,000 for the pair. For the pair, though, right? For the yes, pair. Yes, you get so, two. I mean, two for yes. the price. For yes. <laughs> they're, they're beautiful. And now we are arriving on the second floor with this beautiful, wide open seating area that is lovely. They're, they're waving over there. There's our team. Hey, hi. Dennis you. Of course. Oh, Dennis, hi. So How nice to you? see you. We, to see you. We communicate a great deal on yes, social media. Yes, yes, yes. It's yes. lovely Pleasure. to see you. Yeah. And so we wanted to talk about the house, the room, et cetera, et cetera. So for our audience, yeah. please introduce yourself, tell them who you are, and then we'll talk about your space. Hello, everyone. I am Keisha Franklin, the CEO and principal designer of Halden Interiors. We are based in New York, New Jersey, and I'm very excited and honored to be a part of this year's Kipps Bay Decorated Show House and its exciting return to New York City. <laughs> and when did you find out that you were going to be participating in the show? Oh, yesterday. No. <laughs> Um, well, seven weeks ago, seven I weeks think, ago. yeah, seven, eight weeks, I actually had the honor of getting a call from Alexa herself. Alexa so, Hampton. Miss Alexa Hampton. And um, so that was a real treat. And when it happened, I thought to myself, okay, there's just no way that I can not do this, right? Even though life was crazy and work is crazy, but again, it was just an honor. But yeah, we've literally, literally had, I would say, a total of six weeks to pull this up. Out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you immediately have an idea for what you wanted to do and what you imagined? I didn't. I didn't have an idea. Um, but one thing that I wanted to do to challenge myself is that I absolutely love the color green. In the 14 years that I have been in business doing design, I've never designed a space in it. Every time I try, I always, for some reason, don't like it. And so I never propose it to clients. And so this time around, I wanted to figure this a show house. Let's, you know, think outside the box. Let's do something a little challenging. And so I decided to literally, as you can see, enrapture this entire space in shades of green. Indeed. Yes. Green is all around. And it makes me so happy. And I'm just loving all the feedback and the and the, the energy that everyone is saying that they're getting from the space. So I, I think we've accomplished what we wanted to do. So did you get to experience that that wonderful freeing feeling of not having to design for a client but could instead, so here you are getting to use green, right, for the first time? Actually, no, I no. didn't. <laughs> no, because, um, you know, funny enough, I realized that sometimes I've always kind of felt like, oh my God, I wish that the client would just give me complete control and freedom. And now having to be in that position, I thought, okay, I get it. I get what the struggle is, right? Because I had no boundaries, because there wasn't a client saying, I really like this, or I'd love to experience that, it was challenging for me because, you know, I'm a woman of many things. And, and so all of those things wanted to have its moment. Um, and kind of hence why I just started it from a very simple 
position of just like, okay, what makes me happy? And it, it was this beautiful color of green. And then also uh, another thing that makes me happy is nature. So you will see all these different moments of nature. The rug I designed um, with the rug company, with this vine pattern, very abstract. Um, the tulip Roman shade from Kravit. And then this amazing meadow that was hand-painted by an artist, Judith Sheeples. So, and how did painting up the stairwell even happen as everyone is going up and down the stairs? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, was pulling that off the hardest part of doing this space, or what was the most challenging for you? You know, what ended up being the most challenging and didn't expect it was actually these beautiful antique mirrors. Because as a designer, I didn't want to see seams in my mirrors. These actually came in all in one piece, these 10 foot by four foot on one side and almost five on the other. Unfortunately, when the one on the left here was coming in, it crashed, it crashed. on the street. It oh did. And I couldn't leave the room. I was frozen, literally, like literally frozen. My team's like, Keisha, you need to come outside. And I'm like, nope. I kept still and, um, you know, tried to gather myself. And that is what it is, right, about... Uh, doing these show houses is that you got to think fast. You got to be be prepared for moments of you know challenge, and and we did. We figured it out, and we got so it what done. What did you do? How did you get it? I worked mirror? all weekend, literally, like they had to design it, re remake it. I would say in three days, and we were able to get it in and get everything up. So I've not had a day off in legitimately fourteen days. I've been pushing because we had to be here this entire weekend to make sure that this was installed. Working on that mirror. Working on that mirror. So that ended up being the most challenging. So Wednesday night. Wednesday night. They all come traipsing through. Yes. How, how are you feeling about that? I'm feeling really great. You know, um, I'm a small firm, you know. Um, like I said, been in business for some time now. I'm feeling excited. I think maybe a little emotional about it all, you know, to to be in this space. Um, as a New Yorker, I've always attended this show house for many, many years. And, you know, never really thought like, wow, I could be a part of all of this. So now to be in this space, you know, knowing that I am now one of the um, alums of the Kipps Bay Decorators Show House legacy, is amazing, is amazing. Forevermore. Forevermore, Forever <laughs> you will be a Kips Bay designer. That's right. Yes. And the wonderful cocktail yes. of the enthusiasm, the emotion, the exhaustion, yes, right? It's all going to come out on Wednesday. I expect yes. to find you just crying yes. in this room. Waterproof makeup, right? Only. Waterproof makeup. Yeah. But yeah, it's well, awesome. I'm thrilled to get to see you. I'm so uh, excited you. for you. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. It's just beautiful. Thank I'm you. so glad that you pointed out yes. about the stairwell that year. I got this. No. You guys go ahead. Yeah. Yes. So now we've determined that the best spot for us to do this interview with Nazira is the steam pipe boiler room area where I don't know somebody might have been been murdered in in here. We're not sure. And this is the show house life. This <laughs> is the glamorous side of the Kips Bay show house. It is actually the quietest place in the house, so I hope this works for all of us. 
I'm sure that it will. So my guest today is Nazira Handal, who is the director of special projects. No project more special than the Kipps Bay Show House. And we're thrilled to have you here. And thanks for letting us come. No, thank you. And thank you for coming to the show house and always being so supportive of not only the show house, but the charity as well. Well, and I and I want to talk about that because that is one of the most important aspects of what is behind this show house is the charity that, in fact, we're helping through the Kipps Bay organization. So I wonder if you could explain for listeners briefly what that charity is and what the show house represents. Uh, so it's a Kiss Bay Boys and Girls Club. We have been uh, open serving kids for 105 years. Uh, we started at the Kiss Bay neighborhood of the of Manhattan. That's why we had our name. In 1973, moved to the Bronx, where now we have nine locations serving 10,000 children. The show house represents 20. 3% of our operating budget. So it's a great way for us to revenue, raise revenues for the children that much need the help. That's the extraordinary part, that the show house represents almost almost 25% of the of the budget for the for the charity. So it's it's that important. And that's why it's especially exciting that after three years away, almost four years away, right? The the house is is reopened. And in this in this spectacular house where we are. Tell tell people a little bit this this amazing house at 337 Riverside where we're where we're at. We were very excited. When, this is only our second time in the Upper West Side, uh, but we couldn't say no to this amazing house. Uh, it, it still has the architecture of whenever it was first built 102 years, 122 years ago. So, and the, the special part is the designers kept a lot of it. So we talk about the fact that this is actually the 48th annual Kipps Bay Show House, even though, as you and I know, it was actually started in 1973. So there were a few years where it couldn't happen. Let's talk about that when you when you learned that, of course, at the beginning of COVID, you weren't going to be allowed to put on a show house and, and how you dealt with all of that. Must we? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring back the people <laughs> So we were set. Uh, we had picked a house. We had picked the designers. Our initial meeting with the designers was set for that Wednesday before the Monday lockdown. Uh, so that was a bit of a shock. We thought we were going to be locked down for two weeks and we're going to be able to open in May, just giving them a little bit less time. Uh, that didn't happen, as we all know. Unfortunately, 2021, when we were again gearing up, that's when we had our second wave. So we couldn't open again for New York. And then the challenge of finding a location happened in 2022 that we were not able to open, not because of the pandemic, but because of the challenge of not being able to find a location. It, it took this long to, to, to find a house and, and, and a suitable house. So what can you tell us about how you came to have access to this house? Because I know one of the challenges in bringing the Kipps Bay Show House back to New York has just been finding a darn house, right? I think it's the hardest part of my job. <laughs> I think that the realtors, when it comes to spring season and show house season, they don't even pick up my phone calls. <laughs> but it's definitely the hardest part. But uh, this house actually came through Sasha Bickoff. Her, uh, she's very good friends with uh, Hannah Bronfman. And she's like, look, my friend has a house. The mom moved out. Uh, it would be a great um, place to hold a show house. And we came and, and we saw the house and it's very hard to say no, even if it's in the upper side and it's a little bit more uh, above where we usually go. I think uh, people will be pleasantly surprised. And um, 
It's, it's just a great show and a great group of designers. The best way to come back after a three-year hiatus. So we, we joke about it being on the Upper West Side and a little bit out of the comfort zone for much of the audience that is used to coming to the Kipps Bay show, show House in the East 70s somewhere. Talk about the reality of that. It's New York City. Everybody Ubers. Everybody takes a taxi everywhere. And we get right now that we're seeing the ticket sales. It's a lot of Connecticut, a lot of New Jersey, a lot of people from all over the country flying in. Uh, our brand I think it's not about only the location of the brand, of the house. It's the brand itself. It's what a Kips Bay show house is. And well, so talk to me about that. So you mentioned Kips Bay, the the brand, and and the show house really has built a brand. And under your leadership, in large part, it's expanded, as you say, to to Dallas and and Palm Beach. And I think you've got your eye on some additional locations, which maybe you want to tease. Maybe you're not ready. You tell me. But but it really has turned into an, an enterprise that can be taken on the road and people do travel from far and wide. And that's our uh, that's our goal right now. We do we are looking into a fourth location. I think we're going to leave the plans a little aside for right now. We want to see how the three show houses we haven't had three show houses run at the in the same year. We're gonna ride with the high right now that it's uh, the three show houses and we'll pause for 2025. There's a lot of Rumors going around. So, yes, no, we are not going to open a fourth show house until later. Uh, definitely not 2024. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that we could clear that up. And hopefully all those rumors will, will die down after they hear this. So tell us some of the challenges of coming into clearly this beautiful house, but a house that it, it sounds like hadn't been occupied for, for some time. I, told, I was telling our PR staff, I'm like, we need to do a before and after. Because you walk in into a house this grand and you're like, okay, they did a pretty job. The designers did. But if you saw with what they started, that's where the big impact is. It's like they really delivered something quite spectacular. Well, and, and as so many of the designers shared with us, all by reaching out to people with whom they had a relationship, calling in favors, having someone fly over from Italy to to redo the ceilings. I mean, it's, it's amazing what these designers do. It's amazing. And uh, one of the things that you do here um, every time in all our show houses is when you pick up the phone and you ask somebody, hey, can I borrow this for Kips Bay? They're surprised. They're shocked on how everybody gives everything they can and make everything available because it's a Kiss Bay show house. So uh, the brand is it's very strong and the designers realize in that moment that they pick up the phones that most of those phone calls are gonna be yeses. So what a lot of people don't realize is the incredible number of people that will come to visit this house. So, so what are you imagining numbers wise in terms of people that will come to visit the Kiss Bay show house once it opens and through the run? I'm hoping we're going to have around 15,000 people walk through the house in the four weeks that we are open. Uh, we just uh, finished Palm Beach where we had 15,500 people walk through the door in three weeks. Um, with New York being back and the anticipation of New York coming back and not being here for three years, I think that has built a lot of momentum and uh, and we're very excited. And we have a great roster of designers. Um, What's so exciting about the roster of designers, so many first-time yes. Kips Bay designers, right, who are just so excited about all that it means, and, and I've built it up for them about all it's going to mean for their career going forward. 
Absolutely. Uh, and Kids Bay has, uh, and we have a lot of established designers at this house, but Kids Bay has really started a lot of careers and has uh, given designers a lot of opportunities that they wouldn't have had without the show house. Uh, and then we have a lot of established designers that have never done it or uh, designers like David Scott that has done it a couple of times and also a board member of the organization. But it's so funny because I tell the story. I met a couple of years back, uh, Mary McDonald at the bar, Barbara Lude in Palm Beach. And I asked her, I'm like, when are you going to do a show house? He's like, I will never do a show house. And here we are. <laughs> Well, and, and and what do you think brought her around? I think it's a house. I think uh, it was a special year to to do New York when we have not been open. Uh, the good parts are with us, and I, and I know that we are we're in for a treat for this year. We we are in for a treat, and I feel so many people have reached out to me. I'm sure they've reached out to you saying I'm going to be in town for the opening on Wednesday night. I feel like everybody from the industry is going to be cramming into this house, probably more people than you would like cramming into the house all at once on Wednesday night. We'll have to check the fire codes on that, but. So we do have, we're expecting around 1200 people. Yeah, so we're gonna be a little cozy, but it's gonna be fun. <laughs> it, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be a packed house. We, we cannot wait for Wednesday night. Yeah. I got the mensch. Yeah, it was so uh, it was so great. Anyway, wow, it is it is it's really popping out here. I know, I know. it's so great. It's uh... yeah. all right, Dennis. So set the stage for us. All right, so now it's Wednesday night. It's no longer Monday night. Now we're here. It is the night of the grand opening of the house. People are poured out onto the street because it is so crowded inside the house, and everyone is buzzing about how great it is to be back. Any famous faces in the crowd you can point to here? I'm staring right now at Jamie Drake. I'm standing inches away from the fabulous Janice Parker, who has actually done the exterior of the house. And there is just a, a bevy of, oh, and there's Alexa Hampton. And so, yes, there are quite a few, there are quite a few famous faces that I'm looking out at, so. Shall we head in and see what the vibe is like? Let's see if we even can get inside, Fred. Let's try and make our way. Well, so, right, so this is me. Okay. Okay. There you go. And then um, my colleague, Fred. Thanks. Okay, we're in. VIP treatment. Appreciate it. Thank you. Where are we going, Dennis? All right, so we're making our way into the entrance room, and there is Yellow House Architects right across the way, who we're going to corner and talk to because we're so excited. And, right? I mean, look at this place. Everyone. Everyone was, everyone's here. <laughs> First of all, you look fantastic. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And the space seems to be holding up well. Yes. No, no damages so far. We had to put, you know, push the bench underneath. We had to slide some things, to slide out, of some things okay. out of the way so people don't hurt themselves. Okay. But, but yes, it's exciting. It's incredibly exciting. How are you feeling? Are you about to collapse? Yes, but I can't. But I can't. 
Not for several hours. Yes. Can, can someone run and get you some champagne or something? Okay. That, that mission is underway. Good. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So happy for you. When this, so now we've returned to David Scott's room. I'm still eyeing the chairs. They're still here. I'm, I'd like to see a, a hold sign on them, though, or something. I'm going to just say, Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Are you, are you wildly excited? Yes. Very, very excited. And, and, also and to do relieved. this for Kips Bay is incredible, you know, to, to be able to help these 10,000 children. And we don't lose sight of that. You know, the design community has been doing this for 48 years. More than that, because this is the 48th, but we missed a few years. Of course, we have Palm Beach in Dallas. But, you know, I'm on the board of Kips Bay, and one of the things that makes my, makes it all worth it, all this craziness for six weeks, yes. pulling it all off, is that we know that all of the, all the benefits go to, of course, the kids and anyway. so any more design things you want to talk about? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just I'm just so happy for you. I just wanted thank to, to say hi and, and thank you. And it's it's so beautiful. And it's so funny. Our so our our market editor Caroline was here earlier in the house today and she sent me on my phone so many pictures from your room. Yes, she did take yes, she, pictures. She loved she loved it. So we were going, David Scott, David Scott, did you see his room? I was like, Yeah, I know. So anyway, congratulations. Yes. So we're gonna try and make our way to Penny Drew Baird. And she is right across the hall here. We will we will fight our way through this crowd. Oh, we'll go this way. Right. Oh, no, I don't want to step in this picture. Don't be frightened. We're just going to grab her for a second. Grab her. Because we we're following up on a conversation we had earlier in the week. Okay. Okay. Yes. So Penny. Good luck, Penny. We we were trying to imagine what it was going to be like when the room was was full of people and, and a lot of buzz and excitement. Well, what I'm happy to see is that the room is working very well because there's a flow all around. We've been really jammed with people who wanted champagne and seeing the room, but in some way or other, they managed to get around the room without making a big traffic jam. So I'm very happy to see that there's a practical aspect to how the room worked as well. Excellent. A well-designed space. There's a good flow. Right, and we didn't even try for that one. And the, the sound absorption. So it doesn't sound like a loud room. How do you think? Do you I think, think it fantastic. feels... I wish I could record this podcast every day in this space. So thank you, thank you so much for, for letting us come and visit. And when this is all died down and you've recovered, I, I hope we can talk some more. Yes, we definitely will. So now we're going upstairs to the second floor to see if we can find Keisha, who's no doubt being swarmed by adoring fans. Oh my goodness. Goodness. They are lining up just to have their picture taken with you. Uh, right? Uh, kind of, sort of. It yes. is so exciting. Yes, so, it is. Your dress is beautiful. Thank you. You look fabulous. Thank you so are much. you on the verge of tears? That's my question. You know what? I think tonight I'm getting together with my family and friends and a few colleagues, and yes. I think the tears will flow then. They're going to yeah, come, they're gonna come they're later. Gonna You're come keeping later. it together for I all am. these photo appearances right now that you're making. <laughs> But, yes, but soon it's all gonna, yes, it's all it gonna come out. The it's mirror, magic. you oh, can't even mirror, tell, I know. right? I mean, amazing. That amazing. is the magic of interior design. Yes, yes this is. is what you do. This is what we do. Oh my gosh, here's Nazira. Let's, let's grab her quickly. So nice to see you out of the boiler room, Nazira. Yes, right? <laughs> exactly. And, I clean up. Yes. And, and how exciting it is for you to see everybody here, right? And to hear all of this buzz about the house and how spectacular it is? 
Oh my God, being back in New York, this has been the moment we've been waiting for. 1,100 people all gathered for the opening night. It's just amazing. It's, it's spectacular. For those who aren't here, people are poured out onto the street because it is so crowded in the house right now that this has actually become the cocktail party, even though there's another cocktail party up at 420. It's a good problem to have. Yes. I'll take that problem yes. anytime. Yes. It, it is so fabulous to be back. And congratulations. No, and thank you everything. so much for being here. So thrilled. Okay, we're getting to the end of the show here, but before we go, we like to take a second to highlight anything going on in the industry that might have caught our eye. Fred? Well, I would like to talk about the ubiquity of quiet luxury. We did a little <laughs> segment on it a few weeks ago, and ever since then, literally every person I've spoken to since then has mentioned quiet luxury. It's it's ubiquitous in the design industry. People people use it to promote, to describe literally anything. And there's all these, like, think pieces about how quiet luxury is capitalist propaganda. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, it's gone. I, I'm not claiming credit for that, but it, it seems to have quickly become this ubiquitous buzzword in the industry. Have you been noticing it as well? I, I I certainly have, and it does seem to be on the tip of everyone's tongue. Interestingly, tied to quiet luxury seems to be this movement towards ultra luxury and uh, so much more concentrated spending going on in the in the high-end travel area in in particular one of the partnerships that I that I noticed I was at a dinner recently I was sitting across from David Pryor who has a wonderful site called Pryor that's a big travel site and I was sitting next to the editor-in-chief of Cabana and they have created a partnership between the two of them called Caravan where they're going to be offering some ultra ultra high-end travel options that will include some exclusive access to very beautiful homes that are not usually available to to go and visit and uh, and the CEO of Lufthansa shared that uh, first class and business class are by far the fastest growing part of their business and several other airlines suggested as much as well so everything it just seems to be moving ultra high end I don't know how quiet that luxury <laughs> is up in first class but yeah. it's uh, it, it definitely everybody seems to be moving in that direction. Well, I'd love to move there, too. So if anyone has, a, has an invitation, send it my way. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to keep up with the latest news in the design industry, browse job listings, or take a workshop, visit us online at businessofhome.com. If you want to get in touch with the show, write to us at podcast at businessofhome.com. This episode was produced by Fred Nikolaus and Lizzie Reisinger and edited by Michael Castaneda. I'm Dennis Scully. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back with you on Monday.